From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Wednesday, September 23, 2020, with Ukiah ER doctor Dr. Drew Colfax and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news. And good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Good afternoon, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back to the Philo studio. We had you on the phone on Monday. Yes, and actually that happened to be the busiest day in the ER in Ukiah since the beginning of the pandemic. So go figure. It was a little tight squeezing in even 15 minutes for that abbreviated show. Well, we appreciate you making the effort. (laughs) I mean, I could almost hear things like going off around. It was full tilt on Monday there. Is it usually that? that Monday's the busiest day of the week, but even for Mondays, this was um, a high census day. The highest census day since February, I believe. Well, I guess that means that people are going back. Oh, yes, they're definitely going back. Yes, yes, indeedy. At the beginning of the pandemic, you were having an issue that people weren't coming in. Correct. And, you know, that's still, I think, a bit of an issue, but I think people are finally actually seeking medical care um, when they need it. There is still a contingent of people who are delaying. But anyway. They all went on Monday. Yes, they all went on Monday. All right, so we are here to give local coronavirus information and other information that you're following nationally, the numbers. And <laughs> well, all I that. am in a very bad mood. I'll just tell you oh. that, Alicia. I mean, we're about to lose Roe v. Wade. We're about to lose the Affordable Health Care Act. We're about to lose any environmental regulation, any environmental progress, any... It's just bad. It's really, really depressing. Anyway, 6-3 court, folks. That's what we voted for, I guess. Right. Or at least, you know... 26% of the population did. All right. right. On that cheery note. Well, um, and well, let's just say you're talking about, of course, the Supreme Court. Yes. I mean, you're, you're also a lawyer, so, I, you know. I am, yes. The, yes, and it's... Talking about the 6-3 court uh, is a little bit maybe shorthand for people who don't follow it as much. So... Sure. So, not to get too far afield, but, right. you know, there's obviously Ginsburg's death um, is going to result in a replacement under Trump. And really, there's no mechanism to stop that. And he apparently does have the votes. Um, So they'll probably hammer somebody through in the next six weeks. Um, Trump just today said he wanted somebody confirmed by the election. Um, So that means there will be six conservative justices on the court and three more more liberal justices, um, which we haven't seen in this country since, mm, I think, around the Harding was the last time we had a court this conservative. When was Harding? 1920. Okay. So, we're going back. Yeah. Back. Way back. In time. Yeah. Um, And this all obviously has repercussions for all aspects of life in the United States, but for public health, it's it's a huge impact. Yeah, no, they will, the the risk of their reversing the Affordable Care Act, or what is otherwise known as Obamacare, is significant. It is 100%. Um, The probability that they will 
further attenuate Roe v. Wade and every other health care protection for minorities and for women is extremely high. They might not outright, outright reverse it, but they will certainly happily sign on to further restrictions of its application. So it's just... It's just really bad for the public welfare and public health of this country. Now, if you're a billionaire listening to this show, or if you're a corporation, then you're in luck. You've got your you've got your money's worth. Anyway, let's talk about COVID, shall we? Um, yeah, let's change to a happier topic: <laughs> <laughs> COVID nineteen. Okay. Well, Trump did also say that COVID's apparently affecting basically nobody. He said that over the weekend. Um, I don't know how you can really say that when there are two hundred thousand people dead. But those are 200,000 nobodies per Trump, um, including 15,000. California just crossed or is about to cross the 15,000 uh, COVID death mark um, either this afternoon or uh, tonight. So that's a pretty grim milestone. More locally, running the numbers, uh, we actually added a fair number over the course of the last 48 hours. We we're at 851 on Monday. We're up to 887 uh, now. So that's 36 my math is right, 36 uh, new people with COVID in just 48 hours. Um, so a lot higher um, numbers over the last couple of days than, than we had been seeing uh, during the previous two weeks. That might just be an aberration. We'll see whether that uh, trend continues. Uh, 25,474 tests have been obtained, 1,019 of which are pending. Uh, and the, the dashboard, the county dashboard is a little bit confusing because it has hospitalized patients and then it has ICU patients. And the ones that are in the ICU, they're not listing in the hospitalized patient count. So the actual count is seven people hospitalized, two of whom are in the ICU. Um, so that's, that's gone up a little bit as well. Our positivity is still the same. It's a little bit over three, but our number per 100,000 has gone up quite a bit just with these uh, recent surge of, and we're now up to 13 cases per 100,000. Um, oh, so, wow. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. So we actually flip-flopped with Sonoma County. They're below us now. They had been sort of running at a higher rate, but uh-huh. they're running at a, 11 uh, cases per 100,000. Not a, not a crazy number, not, not back, you know, in end of July, early August, we were 20, 21 for a little bit. So, you know, not not to that point yet, but as I have said over and over again, I am quite concerned uh, what's going to happen when we get flu amongst us as well. Well, and we had a couple of days last week where we had zero cases on the dashboard, but yeah. it coincided with the worst largest evacuations in Willits for the Oak Fire um, and these other, you know, we have a lot going on in this county right now. And I had asked Dr. Corin about about those numbers and whether or not they were real or just a result of people being, you know, too, you know, removed from their homes or, you know, not able to get yet to testing and our, and our general testing numbers have been down in the county too right? they have actually and so that's that's a concern i think i'm sure to public health and to all of us and uh, watching this is the testing number the number of people are being tested each day is just skating along at a barely acceptable level i mean i, I know that for example um the anderson valley health center was they did surveillance testing last 
Thursday, and they only went through a fraction of the tests that they could run. I think they ran less than a quarter of the swabs that were allocated from public health. Um, So if you're out there and you're anxious about whether you have COVID or not, or you just want to contribute to our continued surveillance in this county, get tested. Uh, There is testing uh, going on at OptumServe. That appointment time, it had been up to 10 or 10 days or two weeks early on, but it's now um, either drive straight in and get tested or less than 24-hour uh, lag time. So that's in Ukiah, not super convenient for anybody else. But here in Anderson Valley, there's still a weekly testing at least uh, through the end of this month. So tomorrow, and hopefully it will be extended thereafter. We just don't have that officially yet. From 9 to 11 at the Anderson Valley High School, uh, no appointment, just drive in, get tested, and keep on going. At Mendocino Coast Clinics, they do have regular surveillance testing, uh, and that's Wednesdays and Thursdays through the end of September. So that means tomorrow and next Wednesday, which is September 30th. So they, I did call them and just confirm that, that that is happening this Thursday and next Wednesday, and then they'll find out and confirm with us uh, later on whether or not that's going to extend into October. And you need to call to make an appointment for that, and the number for Mendocino Coast Clinics is 964-1251, and that's free COVID-19 surveillance testing. And then down in Wallala, they're having a a COVID testing event. Redwood Coast Medical Services is going to be testing Sunday, September 27th. And that starts at 9 in the morning and it goes to noon or until the swabs run out. And that's at the RCMS Wallala Clinic upper parking lot. And they said, please enter the screening from Highway 1 via Church Street and then exit via Ocean Drive. So that's also free drive up surveillance testing for covid great it's it's actually really good to get some surveillance testing outside of the ukiah valley i mean the ukiah valley still accounts for about 75 percent of the cases in this county Um, but we really do need to watch some of these other more remote outlying areas to make sure there's not an outbreak um developing so and the clinics who have facebook pages i know a lot of people aren't on social media but for those who are the the clinics who have social media pages are anderson valley health center and long valley health center have been posting the results of their testing so uh yesterday long valley health center posted the results of their september 18th testing and they said and i was surprised to see this that they did have one positive in laytonville so this is all over Oh yes, the county. No, for sure. no, it's definitely all over the county at this point. It's just a bit more densely concentrated in the Ukiah Valley area. Yeah, in the big city. Speaking of concentration and people and crowds, uh, face shields. To go back to the old discussion of face shields, um, a interesting high-speed supercomputer uh, model out of Japan revealed newsflash: face shields don't do anything. <laughs> so nothing. Well, they don't protect at all against an infected person spreading it to others. So if you walk into a store and somebody's wearing a face shield and not a mask, and that's not helping you stay safe from that individual. No. A point that I've been making for quite some time. We have the yeah. definitive word on yes. this. Well, it's, it's not necessarily definitive, but there's now a fairly robust mathematical model that shows they just don't work. Okay. 
And while we're talking about masks and shields, because I know that's a favorite topic of everybody, the CDC did this amazing flip-flop uh, from Friday to Monday, releasing a study stating that the vast majority of cases in this country are being spread through aerosols rather than droplets, so the tiny little um, particles rather than the slightly bigger droplets, um, which means that they stay floating in air a little bit longer in enclosed spaces. It also means they disperse much more quickly outside. Uh, but then, remarkably, they yanked the study. They yanked the <laughs> the release um, sometime Sunday night or Monday morning. I forget which. I was working. But it's just continued evidence of just a complete lack of capacity to have any organized response to this pandemic. Um, and yet, still, there's... What? It's a close election, I understand. I don't know why the only people voting for Trump at this point are imbeciles and billionaires. I just, I don't know who you are out there who feel like he's doing a good job. Um, But, anyway, why don't we take some calls and we can uh, go from there. All right. We do have the phone lines lighting up already, but I'll go ahead and put out the phone number. It's 707-895-2400. That's 707-895-2448 to reach us live on the air. And let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I just wanted to uh, mention something or remind people in case uh, you've already mentioned it. And one thing I'm enjoying doing is testing my mask. And so I light a match. Uh, You don't really even need to light a candle because if you light the match, you can use the match. But wear your mask and blow. Blow the match in front of you. And if you can blow it, then you know your mask is not uh, working. Uh, and, And I do it because I wash mine. Even though I have surgical masks, I wash mine. And so sometimes I feel like, uh, I can see through them, but I have tested them with a match, and I can't blow my match. So I feel pretty safe, confident. That's it. Thank you. That's an interesting tip. Um, I don't know how validated it is, but I will say um, that, in general, all this anxiety about which masks are better and should we be wearing N95s, particularly in the light of this aerosolization question, um, in general, I think if we all just wear a mask, we're all going to be fine. I don't really like the bandanas or the neck gaiters that people use, because those have been shown to be essentially worthless. Um, But, at least those people are making an effort um, and they are telegraphing some degree of social responsibility. So I, I, I really don't want to encourage um, too much neurosis about what mask we're wearing. As long as it's over the nose and the and below the chin, then I'm, I'm pretty content with that. But interesting tip. I don't really know if it's validated. I will say that there are a lot of... Um, There's a lot of fake news out there about the theory that since these are tiny aerosol droplets or it's a virus, which is obviously um, extremely small, it doesn't make any sense that masks work. That is actually not um, scientifically based in anything um, that we know. Um, The masks work because the virus is carried on droplets, and as it passes through a mask, um, the, the mask will collect those droplets or those aerosols um, through both the electrostatic nature of masks and the, the, 
the primarily water content of any aerosol droplets. So that's how masks work. It's not that they are so fine that they stop a virus, um, but they work because they collect the bigger things that carry these viruses out of us. Anyway, that's a bit of a side. All right. Well, this is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. And uh, the number here to call in is 707-895-2448. This is KZYX. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, it's Alfonso from the Deep End. I just want to quickly thank you, Dr. Colfax, and you, Alicia, for the program. I think it's really great. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, one is I was wondering if viruses can live in water. Uh, every time I try to find this out, you know, they always talk about, well, your water is chlorinated and it's treated, so you don't worry. But I just wondered if you had potable drinkable water and a virus was in there, would it live? And then the second, that's a yes or no, I guess. And then the second question, uh, Dr. Colfax, I was wondering uh, if you have heard this ad by our Surgeon General. I I haven't, at least not off the top of my head, but go ahead. But, um, yeah, I think the ad is great. Everything, his delivery, he reads well, but there's one thing in the copy that really bothers me. He talks about um, crushing the COVID virus, but he says, and please, near the end, he goes, he pleads with us, please, if you can't, uh, if you can't wear a mask, social distance. And to me, it always sounds like it's okay not to wear a mask unless you're close to somebody. And I, I keep thinking that some people are interpreting it maybe that it's okay to wear not wear a mask if you're seven feet or eight feet away. I just wondered if you heard it and what you thought about that, but since you didn't hear it. Well, I, I can give you... Um I can give you my thoughts on that. First off, though, viruses certainly can live in water. That's that's not a problem for them. This particular virus doesn't replicate in water. Um, and there's not really any data that I've seen anywhere about people uh, contracting COVID from tap water, uh, municipal or otherwise. That's just not a route of transmission. Uh, it's too fragile, and I just don't think that we've seen any cases of that happening. Um, as for the social distancing versus mask question. Um, My point from the very beginning is if you are so compromised from a respiratory perspective that you cannot tolerate wearing a mask, then there is absolutely no way you should be out and about in contact with anybody. So there's really no excuse for anybody who is outside their own home to not be wearing a mask. People might say they have a medical exemption. I can't fabricate one in my mind um, that would be legitimate that would also um, make it okay for you to go into a public area. That risk is just enormous if your lungs are so compromised. Secondly, if you are socially distanced and outside, then theoretically you could take your mask off. I don't think that that's something that I would recommend broadly, but if you're out running, for example, or if you're doing some sort of outdoor agricultural work or laboring outside and you're not around anybody, then by all means take your mask off. But if you're in contact with people uh, or if you are in a more congregated area, and certainly if you're inside, um, then you need to be wearing a mask. Period. Full stop. So I hear what I hear what the Surgeon General is saying, um, but it's it, it's a bit more nuanced than that, right? Yeah, it's almost like you know you could wear a mask. You know you can interpret it that it's okay to wear a mask unless you're close to somebody. And I was really surprised 
Well, that might have been some political pressure understanding what's going on back there. But, um, yeah, I, I read somewhere that the, we, the taxpayers, are spending $275 million for this campaign about, you know, trying to squash the COVID. So, and I was thinking for that kind of money, I think the copy should be a little better. Anyway, thank you. I'm going to hang up so you get on the next person. Thanks, Thanks for so the much. call. Thank All you. Right. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, hi. Um, I'm wondering if there's any numbers run on whether people, let's say over 70, can uh, be positive for COVID but asymptomatic. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I don't have that statistic in front of me. Um, there is um, a fair amount of evidence that those people over the age of 65 or 70, um, a greater fraction of them become symptomatic. But um, there is still a significant um, minority, minority or even a majority of people in that age range uh, who will have either very minimal symptoms um, or fairly moderate symptoms? Um, but I don't. I don't have the exact breakdown on that. I'm not sure it's been. Cr- the numbers have been crunched enough to give us a real time answer. Um, but we know quite clearly um, that the majority of people um, who contract COVID don't have very significant symptoms, and that actually even applies to the high risk groups. Uh, the majority of people in their 70s or even in their 80s are going to be okay, even if they get COVID, but it still carries a 10 to 15 to 20 percent mortality amongst the very elderly, uh, which is an enormously high number. What about the the situation of people having symptoms post-COVID, like neurological symptoms or other kinds of symptoms? Does that happen with asymptomatic infections as well? We don't know the answer to okay. that. Um, we are certainly seeing sort of the post-COVID um, syndrome, if you will. Um, I hate to coin a syndrome, but the post-COVID effects of an illness tend to be more pronounced in the people who uh, required hospitalization um, or more advanced medical care. Whether the asymptomatic people may have a very subtle sort of um, effect from an illness that was asymptomatic, it's less likely because that individual's immune system was able to manage the the virus without um, prompting an illness, um, and so it's certainly less likely. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say impossible. Right. All right. Let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to offer some um, some kind of more factual data regarding some of the mask stuff that came up earlier and somebody who's washing their surgical mask. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the, the surgical masks, which I'm, I'm sure you know this, sir, is that they're, they're a three-layered mask. So they kind of have a, you know, an initial filter on the outside and on the inside, you know, against your face. And that internally there's a microfiber um style of material that's, you know, I think mostly kind of polyfibered, and those are electrostatically charged, uh, very much like your HVAC filter. Yes. And so when they get wet, they lose their charge. And so what I heard, which might have been some of the discussion here on KZYX, but, you know, has also been repeated through some of the medical organizations is that if masks are going to be washed and treated, that the way to recharge them is they have to be completely dry and to rub them with latex gloves on both sides. 
in order to recharge that fiber so that it can actually be as effective as it was intended, which does degrade with each washing. Well, I I hadn't seen that. It certainly makes uh, sense from the physics of these masks. Um, but again, I, I I don't encourage people to wash masks, particularly surgical masks, because as you point out, they are fairly fragile. They're this multi-layer device that's really was originally designed and intended for single use. And so, you know, we are conserving them in the hospital, and all of, all of us out and about are conserving them as well. Surgical masks, in my experience, do tend to be the most comfortable, um, but they are fairly fragile, and I frankly would recommend just letting them sit uh, for uh, 72 hours if you have two or three or four or five of them um, and just move them through rotation. They will auto-sterilize from a COVID perspective after three days. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the washing of surgical masks. They're just not designed for that. And as you point out, um, the electrostatic uh, component um, gets demolished with washing. I don't know if you can recharge it. That's an interesting theory, and I defer to whatever you have seen on that. And, yeah, I, I put my masks in the sun. Yeah, so the, the sun's fine. I mean, they, too much sunlight will cause them to break down as well. Right. Um, so, course. you know, 10 minutes of sunlight and then just hang them up somewhere on a nail on a shed or something like that, that's fine. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just don't want to get too much in the weeds on which mask and how to maintain it. If you're wearing a mask and you're keeping it clean and you're not touching your face, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Thank All you right. very much. Thanks for the call. All right, it's the local coronavirus update here on KZYX with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales, and you, caller, are live on the air. Oh, hi. Um, there was a comment. The doctor said uh, something about discouraging um, um, bandanas and neck gaiters a, a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to add that um, there was a study a couple of months ago uh, that was testing masks. And it was widely uh, interpreted uh, to mean that the data that they had for the different kinds of masks indicated that some of them were not good enough to be usable. But the actual authors of that study did a quick follow-up and said that their point of their study was about developing methodology for testing masks and that they didn't actually feel it was valid to interpret their results as actually recommending one style of mask over another. Now, that may not be the latest word. There might have been that question might have been looked into further. I don't know. But there was a misapprehension early on that uh, bandanas were deprecated sooner than the science actually uh, justified it. The other thing, and that this is at the risk of muddying the waters a little bit, but I heard a uh, Swedish academic on these airways uh, recently saying that there is no science uh, to uh, uh, back up the use of masks at all. They're not recommending. Sweden, of course, is this outlier in Europe as far as being kind of, you know, let's develop herd immunity or something, and uh, minimal intervention in in society and the economy. But this wasn't the government official. This was a health... uh, 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 some expert in the health field in an academic position claiming that there was no scientific uh, justification for using masks, which 
I, that kind of made me say, what? You know, uh, yeah, what, I, what world are we in? But, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that's not a real world. Um, there's there's incredible amount of robust data showing that masks work. So I, I know, thought there would be, yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's, not a, that, that's not a point of debate any longer, at least not any amongst any public health uh, official or scientist. It's, it's a political issue, to be sure. Um, and as you alluded, the Sweden model has really proven um, to not work so well. Um, they have the highest mortality in Europe per capita, and their economy, <laughs> despite staying open, is in the same sort of shambles that every other economy is in Europe right now. So it's not a, it's not a good model to follow from what we can see. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's take another one. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Well, 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 that was a surprise. Um, I just want to thank you folks for your show continuing and, and steadfastness and whatnot. So, But I was thinking that we've got a racist guy in charge of the thing, a whole right-wing coup happening, and they don't believe that it affects them, the COVID, that is. Correct. And so what if they're just letting it fly just because it seems like most of the people that are suffering from it are uh, brown skin, minority, Latinx, you know, the weaker, the diabetics, I suspect. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. It just seems too uh, perfect to be happening, you know what I mean? But thank you for your show again, and Alicia, you guys deserve, deserve the Pulitzer for this one. Well, you, you make a good point. I mean, I, I, I hesitate to ascribe that degree of organization uh, to this administration. Um, I, I, I don't want to go down the conspiracy wormhole that this is a plan to kill the elderly or the brown-skinned or the um, non-English speakers amongst us, because those are the people that are being affected by this disproportionately, to be sure. But I'm not yeah. sure that that's an organizational plan that they have. I think this is all about the po- the politics of getting reelected on November 3rd um, and minimizing yeah. it with an overlay of complete incompetence, um, complete rejection <laughs> of science, and an inability to actually govern. You know, this is this is an administration that doesn't believe in their own jobs, um, and so when it actually calls on them to do a job, they don't know how to do it. That's the underlying problem. And what's the adage about you? You weren't elected to rule; you were elected to govern. Yeah. Well. That that being said, thank you again, you guys. Take care. All right. Thanks for the call. Really <laughs> appreciate it. I'm sure that you're not the only one wondering that. Well, politics starts with a barrel of a gun," said Chairman Mao. So you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you are in a great mood this afternoon. You know. Well, you know. It's it's really dark right now. Um. So, we're heading into flu season. I got my flu shot. I know there's lots of anxiety as to when to time one's flu shot, but they're out there and they're about and they're available. So, a flu shot is better than no flu shot. You might want to wait till October. That's fine. But make sure you get it in October. And if you think you might procrastinate, get it now. Politics comes from the barrel of the hypodermic needle? Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the local coronavirus update today. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Dr. Colfax, for Thank you, being here with your perspective. And we'll be back um, next Monday with Dr. Colfax, right? Yes, and I'll be have, having just finished four or five nights. Oh, yeah. So I'll be I'll be perky in in, yeah. in rare form. Yeah. Um, but you won't be actually on a shift this time. 
Correct. I will okay. be live in studio. All right. Wonderful. And um, I will be back on Friday with Dr. Andy Corin, the public health officer. He has reissued the shelter-in-place order. Yeah, we didn't even get a chance to get to that. So. Well, I haven't read it yet, but apparently it's streamlined and there are some changes. Things are Some things are slightly relaxed. I'm not sure what. I don't want to talk too much about it until I've read it, but we will be going into that on Friday for sure. And that's going to be Friday at 3, from 3 to 3.30, same format with call-in, so you can listen and, and call with your COVID questions of the public health officer as well. So that'll be Friday. Also, I should mention, too, that election uh, coverage is going to start next week in earnest and that means that Monday evening at 6.30 and Wednesday evening at 6.30 we will be having supervisor candidate debates. I'm really excited about it. The first district supervisors will be here debating via Zoom, but they will be debating uh, on Monday evening from 6.30 to 8 with Karen Audubonny as the moderator and then Wednesday night we'll have the second district supervisor candidates from 6.30 to 8.00. And then Tuesday is the presidential debate. So we're going to air that from 6 to 8 o'clock as well. So next week, you know, get yourself ready. We've got nothing but political debates in the evening next week. So that'll be good. Uh, And I think ballots are supposed to be arriving in people's mailboxes next week. Yes, and we're closing in on the end of September, which is when the census uh, closes. So if you haven't done your census, this county needs the federal dollars. I've had four census workers come to my door. Wow. I mean, I filled out the census like months ago, but I have a duplex and so the person who lives in the building hasn't done it yet so i keep getting visited by in a different census worker every time so guys definitely fill out the census it takes literally five minutes to do it and it literally translates to millions of dollars that come into this county which would be good which you need if you've driven these roads recently (laughs) yeah all right everybody thanks a lot and we will be back on monday You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYX and Z, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX at 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.